time for News with My Dad. A show we talk about news with my dad. And on the telephone, playing the role of my dad live is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Huh? How you doing? I am well. Are you hearing me well? You know, not as well as if you got on the Zoom and used the, used the stuff. Like, we could, we could do better, but, uh, but I can hear you. We, we we had a, a day off last week, and so there's so much accumulated news, we better get at it. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say, so we take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, what's your shout-out? I have two shout-outs. Shout-out number one is for Senator Pat Toomey, Republican senator from Pennsylvania, who has had the courage to speak out against the DDT nonsense trying to overturn the election. But my big shout-out is for B. Wynn, a state legislator in the House in Georgia, who heard about this, this thing that a guy named Matt Brainard came up with a study, he said, that showed that there have been many thousand of bad votes in, in Georgia, saying people out of state, etc. And she noticed, on the, she just had a notice on the list, a couple of her friends and a neighbor, and so she decided to research. And she spent a lot of time calling and visiting and founding all kinds of people on the list that Matt Brainerd said were illegal that were clearly legal and when Matt Brainerd came to testify before a House Georgia House committee she was there and completely debunked what he had to say this study was cited by Rick Santorum on national on cable television he was saying that this showed it was true clearly clearly not true my compliments to representative B when if you debunk something i guess you'll talk and i won't go ahead pop i want to acknowledge the passing of charlie pride the great singer and chuck yeager the great pilot and paul sarbane senator from maryland who was a real credit to maryland they all passed 86 97 and 87 time to go well, Dad, at least four people were stabbed on Saturday as pro-Trump and anti-Trump protesters had a clash. Emergency medical services transported nine people away from the post-election protests in D.C. Eight members of the Metro Police in Washington, D.C. suffered injuries. Thirty-three people arrested, including a Washington state resident for assault with a dangerous weapon. Uh, how is the president reacting to this? Is that response appropriate? Well, how he's responding, of course, is he continuing to insist that he won the election. The electors, by the way, are starting to vote as we speak. They will be elect. They'll be voting all day. The last vote will happen at about four o'clock our time, when the electors in Hawaii cast their ballots. I am very aware of this because I had the privilege of being an elector for both of. Oh, President Obama's elections. I was one of Oregon's seven electors, along with your stepmother and my beloved wife. And it, uh, 
it was a, a significant moment for me in my life, but of course the electors are much more significant right now. And what I'm wondering is, will there be any attempt at intimidation? I'm wondering if the Proud Boys or some of their ilk, like the like the folks who showed up in Washington and resulted in those stabbings that we're, you're talking about, whether they will try to intimidate electors in any of the states. We're looking at the uh, looking at the Washington Post. Uh, Washington Post electoral tracking. Dad, it's just begun, and the vote count right now is three to nothing. Joe Biden ahead of Donald Trump. The expected number, if there aren't faithless electors, will be 306 to 232. And right now, out of the 538 votes to be counted, three have been counted. All three went to Joe Biden. What is that, Rhode Island? I don't know. Just three. I just I don't know which three it is. I'm looking. I'm seeing if I can find it. But you ask me questions, I don't know the answer to. Well, Bob, it's, it's, it's got to be it's got to be a state with only one representative. So it's a state with a small, very small. Rhode Island has four. Rhode Island has four. Rhode Island has four. I think the only I can think of that are that little is is Washington D.C. and maybe uh, South Dakota. Are the only ones that oh, I think, it, but it South Dakota, well, it South be, it Dakota South would be a Dakota Trump state. So Washington D.C. must have gone Dakota. first. Washington D.C. must have gone first. It could have been Maine. Uh, Maine, uh, Maine has uh, Maine has not very many, but I think they split them up. I think Maine splits them up. I think I think Maine has four. Uh, Maybe probably D.C. It's all right. It doesn't make that great a radio for us just to speculate. Maybe we'll find it. We will keep an eye, however, on the Washington Post tracker. Dad, uh, any thoughts on? We haven't covered that much, and we've talked about it a little bit, but we weren't on the air last Thursday. We haven't covered that much the because it's just become expected. We've just lowered our expectations so deeply or dirtied our expectations so profoundly that we haven't yelled or screamed or shouted or even discussed all that much the current president of the United States' reaction to the fact that he lost the election. It It is worth mentioning it is worth mentioning that there were a hundred plus republicans that signed on to an attempt to overturn the election in the, in the hundred one hundred and twenty six one hundred and twenty six pictures of cowardice and pretty close to treasonous trying to trying to subvert the democratic process the fundamental basis of a democratically elected republic, which is the vote of the people and the respect of the vote of the people, and 126 of those bozos joined in with this ridiculous lawsuit that the Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas, along with 17 other state attorneys general, filed in the Supreme Court, with the Supreme Court dismissed with two sentences last week which you would think would end it but it did not end it because DDT was then was then interviewed as he was uh, attending the Army Navy football game Saturday the Fox News ran the ran it on Sunday and he said oh no we're not done the Georgia we won Georgia by a lot and then he said he said the Georgia governor he said is worse than a democrat because the governor of Georgia has acknowledged the truth of the election. And he said, uh, 
the Washington, Wisconsin Supreme Court is acting Monday. That is correct. The Wisconsin Supreme Court today will join, I predict, will join all of the other courts that, with one exception, have denied every single lawsuit filed by DDT and his supporters. Nearly 50, or about 50, have been filed. Well over 30 have been decided. And the only one that he won was to allow poll watchers to move from 20 feet away to 6 feet away. That's, that's the extent of his winnings. But, but I am, I am more and more inclined to believe that this guy is actually has an insane delusion that he has come to believe what he says, that he is really believing it when he says that he won Georgia by a lot, and that he won Pennsylvania, and that he won Wisconsin, and that he won Michigan, that he said it so many times that he believes it, and of course, because he keeps saying it, there are a huge number of Americans, millions and millions of Americans who also believe it, and who are going to continue to believe it for the rest of their life, which is really, really, really dangerous for the success of the American experiment. Why does it matter? Maybe that's that. Maybe it's the last point that you made. At this point, should we care? Does the fact that Donald Trump is not conceding the election, that he is not going with grace, that he is not putting country over himself, that he is sowing further doubt in our democratic system, how much does it matter? It matters a lot because it matters a lot because what it is doing it is undermining the faith of the American people in the sanctity of the election process, and and it is one more step towards making people disbelieve in government and not recognize the fact that government, especially a democratically elected Republican form of government is one of the greatest inventions humankind has ever produced. And it, it underlines the lack of trust that people are saying is all that government deserves. And the, when you lose the sight, when you lose faith of the populace in government, you're on, you're on a really slippery slope towards autocracy. It matters. I'll give another piece of how it matters in another way, why I think the story matters, or what it elucidates. For years now, there has been a dominant narrative that Donald Trump is a weirdo. He's a dumb dumb and he's a weirdo. And that what is most notable about him are the manner, the, the various ways by which he departs from conservative and right-wing orthodoxy. And he's just out of the main. He's a, he's a look and, and his, with his tweets being the thing that gets focused upon. And it even feeds into, well, his tweets aren't that good. Yeah, I mean, I wish he would tweet less, but at least he cuts our taxes. That, to me, the 126 representatives who stand up and say, we are going to pay attention more to what Breitbart might say, more to what InfoWars might say, 
more to what Donald Trump himself might say than to what Republican judges might say or what any manner of framer of the Constitution might say or any person actually watching the facts of how the election played out might say demonstrates my counter to the dominant narrative for the past four years, which has been Donald Trump is not the head of the snake, he's the rattler, that this idea that people in the Republican Party don't criticize him merely because they are afraid of him hurting them in their primaries is at least in significant part a cop-out. This is now who the Republican Party is. And by the way, it is who they were before Donald Trump because they gave birth to him, not the other way around. And so there is a risk. And I've said this a bunch of times. I'm going to say it again. I haven't said it in a while, though, that there will be a collective exhale among pro-democracy forces saying, OK, good. Trump was a bad guy. We got rid of him. Same thing happened when Richard Nixon was president, when Richard Nixon was out from the presidency. And in 1973, there was a collective exhale. But in 1973, you saw one of the greatest periods of growth, of, of inception, of conception of the right-wing political apparatus in American history. It was when a bunch of the things that now help control the party that controls the courts in this country, still controls the U.S. Senate, and frankly still controls the U.S. presidency at least for about a month, came into being. That this is a time for vigilance and for awareness, and there should be a greater awareness on behalf of anybody. And I don't mean just I don't mean just hardcore lefties. I mean anybody who thinks that the people should make decisions, that we're stronger together than we are apart, that we should build systems for the benefit of all rather than only the benefit of a few, that we care about our neighbors, that we think the Bible isn't only very selective portions, but it includes ideas that we should love our neighbor, that we should be stewards of the land. If you care just about basic fundamental American principles, you should be caring right now and seeing who the Republican Party is. That, to me, is some of the relevance. Dad, anything else on the election? Anything else on electors or other? Oh, or do you yeah. want to move something to something else? I, I, want, I, want, I, I want to comment a little bit more on the Texas lawsuit and, and the motive for it. And and I suspect there are are two motives. One, I think that Paxton want, thinks maybe he he wants to be in line to get the Trump mantle when Trump is actually removed from the White House. And, and by the way, it's going to be really interesting to me to see whether or not Trump decides to pass up attending the inauguration. It's going to be interesting. But that Paxton, there are folks who want to get his mantle. Ted Cruz somebody who wants to get his mantle and so ted cruz was prepared to argue the texas case before the supreme court but the other reason i suspect is that paxton is hoping to get on the pardon list and we should talk a little bit about the pardon list because there's more and more speculation about how many pardons trump is going to issue it's going to be a lot to whom to whom he is going to issue it will be a lot will it include his family will it include himself very interesting to keep our eye on that. No, it's going to be a lot. And I, I want to say something about pardons. What I'm interested to see is if there's going to be anybody, there will definitely be people we've never heard of who get pardoned, right? A lot of, there'll be a lot of eyeballs on the pardons of people we've heard of before. What's going to be interesting to me is if there are pardons of people we haven't heard of who are nonetheless related to the Trump family. I don't mean by blood, 
I mean by business relationships. Are there folks, because then what you'll understand is going on, is that they want to make sure there isn't any leverage on that kind of person. So I already got their pardon, so they won't be leveraged with respect to you know, future effort to prosecute. Keep going. Of course, one of the interesting things about that is, is, is if, if he's, he's looking around to see who are people who may know something that uh, incriminates him and could be used and and therefore and are in jeopardy themselves if i pardon them they'll be on my side but the interesting thing is if i understand the law correctly if you have been pardoned for a crime that you committed you are no longer able to invoke the fifth amendment to refuse to testify about what it was that you did and so that that's an interesting angle and uh, it'll be interesting to see how how carefully that is explained to him and what he decides to do it well while we're also talking about election related stuff joe biden had the courage to say to a to a group of folks and, and i think it needs to be reiterated reiterated that uh, that uh, one of the reasons we did so badly in the house so many house folks uh, went back to the dark side was because of the defund the police and because of the the violence because of broken windows because of vandalism all supposedly supposedly in the name of equality but not really it was from folks on the left mostly who also believe that government is a bad thing and you what's happening more and more people on the far left and the far right the place that, where they really agree they're opposed to government, just period. And government really is one of the greatest inventions that humankind has ever come up with. This just we in, recognize that. Donald Trump is ahead in the presidential race. The three, by the way, was Vermont, followed by 11 for Trump. Right now it is 22 to 7. 29 votes out of the 538 votes counted so far. Donald Trump is ahead over 3 to 1. To Joe Biden is 22 to 7. Stay tuned for the elector count right here at X-Ray. Pop, go ahead. Also related to the election is the filling of the cabinet. And of course... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Go back for a second. I want to say something about pardons. I want to say something about sure. pardons. Yes. Yeah, so the here's, here's the practical challenge of the idea that you can compel somebody to testify uh, it, by giving them a pardon. There was an old case. Woodrow Wilson pardoned a newspaper editor. So they can compel him to testify to give up his give up his uh, uh, give up his source, and he denied the pardon so he could preserve his ability. He could preserve his ability to take the Fifth Amendment. So in that respect, it's an illustration of how how your point is valid. But here's the practical here's a practical limitation: is there could still be state charges on mo many of the same crimes, and so you could still say, even if you didn't think there were going to be state charges, you could still take the Fifth Amendment. Uh, over something you'd have a federal pardon over to say, oh yeah, because uh, you know I'm, my my lawyer says I'm still at risk of of some related crime or some state based crime uh, uh, being charged. But anyway, go ahead, Pop. So I think the practical I think there are practical limitations, but it is an interesting dynamic. I I just want to comment on the the cabinet uh, cabinet more and more announced. We're, great deal of interest is focused on who is going to be nominated for attorney general the uh, 
uh, Doug Jones, Sally Yates, uh, ju- Judge, what's his name? Anyway, anyway, uh, the the really thing that I think is worth talking about is the appointment of former general, and we need to always say former because he no longer is a general, Austin, to defense, which is going to require the Congress for the second time, third time to waive the limitation on a military person being head of the DOD sooner than seven years because he's only been gone for four years. And you recall when last we met, I said I thought he should appoint Colin Powell, who was, of course, a four-star general. And Biden was thinking like I was, but he knew about a four-star general that I didn't know about who was younger and more recent and more likely to accept the job than Colin Powell. I'd be interested in knowing your thoughts about whether or not that waiver should be granted, because a good case can be made that, that that's a a very meaningful law and that you shouldn't put somebody over the DOD who still has a lot of friends who are wearing stars uh, to work every day. What are your thoughts? I don't have I don't have a conclusion. I don't have a conclusive opinion on the matter, I will say. I'm reminded of my old... Uh, I, I'm reminded of the judge for whom I work when, it, when I realized the wisdom, the advantage of the rule which seemed to be a limiting rule that said that federal judges should not opine on matters not before them in the context of a case. And before I thought, well, yeah, that's just it's just a power uh, consideration. It's just so it doesn't seem like they are stepping out of bounds, so they're not acting like many little kings, but in fact that they're limiting their power. But there's another reason, there's a cognitive reason, and that is because it forces one uh, to really dig in and make sure you're making a really good decision. If we just go off willy-nilly, uh, firing off thoughts, as might be the want on talk radio, for instance, we aren't necessarily getting to our sober second sense and to our best thoughts. So that's my that's my longish-winded cop-out on the question. Th- th- I do have a little bit of a concern. I mean, there is a... Um, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to pile on to Joe Biden. It's not, you know, I'm not going to really knock the guy, but we should be aware that the uh, that a Joe Biden presidency is going to be different than Elizabeth Warren presidency would have been and the and that's going to be that already demonstrated in the cabinet picks it's going to be demonstrated with how the regulatory apparatus is used and uh, and that that isn't to say i mean you know, the presidential election was still hugely hugely important but that's that's sort of my that's sort of my thought that i i would have loved to see more crusaders picked and yeah, I would prefer that where it concerns me is not just about the law, but I do like the idea of civilian control of the military. And I do I I I, ha, I get a little nervous at the over lionization of the uniform. That's how that's how coups can happen. Uh, and the idea that somehow donning uniform, being willing to take human life is a saintly act. Being willing to lose one's own life, being willing to protect another person—that's a—that's a deeply courageous thing. But the application of force itself is not the same thing as fitness for leadership. Is not the same thing as sound judgment. Is not the same thing as protecting democracy. And and there is a fine line, shall we say, between insufficient 
respect for the military. We should have respect for the military and, and a, an appreciation for those who serve. And there's a fine line between that and an overweening uh, lionization and, uh, and, and pedestal putting of those in the military that says that a civilian couldn't possibly lead military operations because they are not in the military. In our country, it is critical that the civilian lead, the civilians lead the military. So I would preserve, I would prefer, uh, I would prefer a, uh, a civilian leader of the, of the Department of Defense in general. That said, the counter to that is that I think ever since the Vietnam War, Democrats have needed to do stuff to demonstrate that they're actually capable of and, and that a majority of people can feel comfortable with, including members of the military, feel comfortable with their leadership of the armed forces. And therefore, there can be lots of people, not just military folks who advise, oh, yeah, get yourself some get yourself some stars in there, get yourself some generals in there. Uh, and that'll show that you're not just some fluffy hearted hippie. Uh, so I think that is part of the dynamic. But uh, I guess those are my takes. Before before we leave election subject, as Brad was mentioning, <laughs> excuse me, that early voting starts in Georgia today, and I am going to I am going to give a prediction as to who the big winner, the big winner in Georgia is from the election of the two senators, which begins as we speak, and that is the big winners are the media, especially television. Savannah television stations are charging up to twenty times are they really? what they were charging six wow. months ago wow. for ads wow. on their program. They are making out like bandits. Publicly financed elections, folks. Holy mackerel. Of course, of course, you don't just because you increase the uh, increase campaign coffers, you don't increase the number of hours in the day or the number of ads that can be sold. So what that has done with a static supply and significantly increased demand is jacked up the price, not necessarily improving information or even improving uh, improving one candidate's odds of winning. Yeah, I am. I am pessimistic about Georgia pop, and I don't. And I, I don't like to say that. I haven't said that out loud before. I certainly don't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I am pessimistic about Georgia. Kelly Loeffler going after, uh, uh, going after Warnock as a radical liberal. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. Uh, she repeated the phrase thirteen times in their recent debate going after him for attacking police and the American military from the pulpit. By the way, if you're a black preacher and you haven't said anything about the police in the last 10 years, I, I, I don't want to give a, a final conclusion. I could say something blustery. It is a rare black preacher in this country who has accepted the mantle of moral authority and has not commented on police in the last 10 years and their treatment of black people in our country. Well, Bob, we've certainly so. Let, let, let's talk about COVID. And, and before we dive into important stuff on COVID, I've got an unimportant thing that COVID has caused. One thing that COVID has caused, of course, is people being at home. And because they're at home and they, they, the use of Zoom has gone way up. And as a result of that, the one big winner from set of big winners from COVID are plastic surgeons who are being asked huge oh, increase yeah. in 
in demand for facelifts and for Botox and for fillers because people see themselves on Zoom and don't like what they see. Yeah, everybody's got to be a TV star. So everybody's got to get ready for their close-up. Uh, we got a text in. I agree with Dad. Trump is mentally ill. We need to say this publicly and make a huge issue of it. Another text. Uh, Trump issued Executive Order 2018 declaring foreign interference in elections a national emergency. Trump's possible next move, according to Jeff Krupp. So, yeah, I don't take it. I don't take it lightly. If somebody is the commander in chief of the military, as we've seen in country after country in the history of the world, and they do not respect elections, it doesn't merely mean necessarily that they complain. Right now, by the way, it's still 22 to 7 in the Electoral College vote, which is happening today. Dad, I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about local news, so I may just do a hard pivot to that after the break. What else do you want to make sure we cover after the break that we're about to go well, to? Well, we, we've got to talk about COVID. There's a lot to talk about COVID because we've, we, we have passed now the 300,000 threshold for deaths caused by COVID. Vaccine is coming. Uh, Oregon is expected to get 35,000 doses in the next 24 to 48 hours. If the Moderna vaccine is approved, the state could get a total of 270,000 doses by the end of the year, which sounds like a lot, but it's enough to vaccinate only 6.3% of the population. The state has about 200,000 health care workers and 48,000 nursing home residents and workers, and so the the number of doses expected by the end of the year is enough to give all of them a single dose by the end of the year. But, of course, they are all required to have a follow-up booster about three or four weeks after. So, so we're a long way from home free. Other, other COVID news, the Department of Health, the, uh, DHS, Homeland Security and White House been having parties with maskless people. Definitely not six foot, keeping six foot away from each other. The uh, the White House NSA announced the White House was going to get first call, and DDT said, "No, no, they're not." Our governor has said she's going to get it later. She's not going to try to put herself ahead of the folks that I just mentioned. I'm, I am wondering myself when it comes, when they say that uh, old folks are next in line, whether I should pull my rank and take advantage of my age and get one. I'd be interested in your thoughts on Yes, on you should that. get one. Uh, Pfizer, Pfizer is committed, apparently, to all they can produce so they uh, up until June because of commitments they've made to foreign to other, other countries. Trump signed an executive order which he somehow thought could override their their agreements, their contracts with other countries. Quite quite ridiculous. Business closures are, are just lethal to business in Congress. Congress has got to do something. The, this bipartisan group in Congress now is coming up with a proposal to have two bills that could be voted on separately. The big sticking, the big sticking point is Mitch McConnell just insists that there shouldn't be help to state and local governments. State and local governments really need help, but also insists that he wants something that 
protects employers from any liability for forcing workers to come in into unsafe situations that they they would not be liable. That those are the sticking points. So that that is something. The uh, the virus, the vaccine rather that is being come out is going to in the next week go to something like 633 centers around the country, uh, and uh, so the, the folks who need it the most are going to be able to get it. So we shall see some. One of the things that is interesting about COVID is the the prevalence of of cases in communities. One example, Staten Island, New York, has 5% of the New York City population, has 25% of the COVID cases. Clark County, Washington, right across the river from us, Latinos represent 10% of the population, 28% of the cases, which has caused the county council to pass a resolution saying that racism is a public health crisis. The uh, internationally, Brazil, Mexico, and Paraguay, especially having huge hits. 400 National Guard, Oregon National Guard members came back from 10 months in Kosovo, and of the 400, over 60 of them have tested positive. The the, the community spread is a, is a very interesting thing to to observe. Well, folks, the Kinney family has apparently reached a deal to keep their family home in North Portland. There's a lot to this story, but barricades around the Red House on Mississippi Avenue, right down the street from this studio, began to come down yesterday after the family came to an agreement with city officials. A fundraising campaign raised $260,000. This is enough to buy the house back from the legal owner who had bought it for that amount at a foreclosure auction two years ago. On social media, Portland activists called for help in clearing the street of the barricades. Barricades came up last week when police failed to carry out a court-ordered eviction from the family. Uh, There were several demonstrators arrested at that point. Included in this kind of banana story is that the the son of the family uh, has declared himself a sovereign citizen, that a lot of this was based on, I didn't think that mortgage rules or tax rules applied to him. And uh, I want to talk about that. Well, go ahead. This this absolute nonsensical nonsensical thing about sovereign citizen being a sovereign citizen and therefore the laws of the United States, the laws of Oregon, the ordinance of Portland do not apply to me is one more example of the cancer the cancer that uh, of, of believing that government is a bad thing, that government and, and those folks who put up the barriers, I am inclined to believe that a substantial number of them were doing it because they saw this as a way to stick something in the ear of government or somewhere else in the in the anatomy of government. Because they just believe that government is a bad thing, and, and therefore here is government trying to kick these folks out. Where if you look at the facts, the facts there seem to be pretty clear. The 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 house was paid for years ago, 
and then the son got into trouble with the law and he needed something like 26,000 bucks to pay for his attorney's fees for for offenses that he acknowledged he had committed but they went out they went ahead and made a loan for something like over $90,000 what they were going to use the rest of the money for I don't know and I suspect that they were conned into a subprime loan the loan should not have been granted but they very faithfully paid the mortgage every month until about a year and a half ago and then they just quit paying they just quit paying and now they're saying now they're saying well yeah because the law doesn't apply to me and that's just crap it is a it is an interesting thing there's been uh if you look at the court filings look at the court filings some of the stuff is pretty some of the stuff is pretty wacky and it's you know there's been so much energy uh so much energy around uh, around social justice and you have protesters who've been looking for uh, the best way to apply their energy and i am grateful that i mean there ain't no question though that gentrification displacement around this part of town has just been an enormous issue uh, over the past 40 years particularly over the last 20 uh, just been an enormous issue and having a chance to emit one's barbaric yawp to uh, to challenge that to do uh, to to save one starfish uh, in that arena is is understandable uh, it is uh, uh, it is an interesting that but the narrative the, the narrative has the dominant narrative that got this thing started has not shall we say included all of the facts well, we talked about COVID-19. Fortunately, uh, 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 for, fortunately, up oh, we got it. We got William Kenny. We got a text in. William Kenny doesn't deserve this smear. He isn't here to defend himself. I know. Will the government is bad? Is not fair. Why don't you ask Will about this instead of smearing his reputation? Yeah, I don't know the guy. I, I do. I do know about the sovereign citizen movement, and I have my own thoughts about that. But do appreciate the text. Uh, and and of course, of course, the uh, uh, this is and, and you know this house, this house is what three doors down from uh, from Mark's house, Pop. Right? I mean, this, this is his, yeah. this is his neighbor, and I think that there is no one who will shed a tear that it's not yet one more, uh, not yet one more house in North Portland that's getting torn down so it can be torn down by a house flipper. That's gonna that would be turned into you know some sort of condos and yeah I understand it's good to have some multifamily it's good to increase some density but the displacement in this area has just been just been remarkable uh, I will leave it at that if people have additional facts they want to share we'll we'll uh, share those facts and yeah if we if this person you said Will's a friend of yours we would be delighted to interview uh, William Kenny I I find it fascinating about their uh, and I've seen some videos and I'm aware of some of it but would absolutely love to uh, hear his uh, his version of events his side of the story and and what the community ought to learn during this time what he's learned during this time I'd be fascinated by it. the uh, uh, we've got a, a a little bit of report on the COVID dead you were talking about what was happening nationally piece of good news Oregon is still near the bottom of the country in cases per 100,000. In fact, the only states that are below us remain Maine, Vermont, and Hawaii. Uh, add to that uh, island nation, uh, you know, island 
island areas of the United States, Puerto Rico. And, and Hawaii, Hawaii had a really one really good thing going for them. They had a twenty a two thousand mile long moat to keep people from coming in and affecting them. Yeah, and it, and by the way, Hawaii one of the best places to travel. This is the time, and I know you're probably not supposed to encourage people to travel because maybe it sets a bad example. But no, like going to Hawaii, that's the best place to go. We had a we had a county commissioner who was get who got whacked. Uh, Sharon Meyer and got whacked for going to Hawaii. But Hawaii has a low case count. They require tests prior to getting on the flight, uh, and and it's also the best deal to get to Hawaii. It's been in a long time, so I I don't I don't discourage and, going but, to Hawaii. I want to go myself. Uh, but make sure make sure that you have been tested, because if you haven't been tested, they're going to require you to quarantine for two weeks, which is pretty expensive vacation where you can't leave your apartment. And if you have been tested positive, don't try to sneak in because a couple has been arrested and charged with trying to do that. We got another text, I think, from the same person. Uh, didn't they pay an escrow, which is what you do in a dispute to show good faith while it's worked out in the courts? I don't know. This one, because this has happened sort of fast, right? It's, and and part of it has felt like the uh, people commenting on it, one of the reasons I want to be kind of humble in the opinions I offer is that it's trying to get caught up on all of the facts. Uh, but the uh, but another text in, and thank you very much, has all set that up with regards to an interview with uh, uh, William Nietzsche, uh, that is the the now uh, now the legal name or how or how Kenny uh, how Kenny is described how he names himself. Uh, states that are the high and COVID: Rhode Island, Tennessee, Indiana, Ohio, Arizona, Nevada, Idaho, Kansas, Utah, South Dakota, Delaware, Dad, uh, Pennsylvania, Alaska. What is interesting to me about that list is that it is, uh, and I root. I, I root for high COVID case count on no one, but it does run counter to the Jared Kushner initial uh, analysis that, hey, this is the kind of thing that's going to impact uh, dense places is going to impact blue states. This isn't going to impact uh, red states. So leave it to the governors. The federal government doesn't have to do stuff. We don't have to push PPE out in the world. We don't got to make sure that uh, make sure we enforce social distancing. We don't got to send out masks. We don't have to enact federal authority or use federal resources to move stuff early. We don't have to ramp up uh, testing capacity. 100x as should have happened. All of those things should have happened. All of them were easy, obvious, clear decisions. But instead, no, no, just push that stuff out to the states because it'll just impact those blue states more. Well, that's actually not what's happened. I mean, you look at that for for every and yeah, Arizona, Nevada, and Pennsylvania are now purple states. Uh, Rhode Island uh, is a purple state. Uh, Tennessee, Indiana, uh, Ohio, not really a purple state anymore. Idaho, Kansas, Utah, South Dakota. These are states that uh, I think if you map these, I'm sure somebody has done it, but I haven't looked at a recent version of it, to Fox News viewership, there is a high correlation. Did I say Fox News is killing people? Yeah, I guess I just did. Oklahoma is a great example where the governor has refused to impose any sort of restrictions, but he has declared a state day of prayer. So he's not, the old saying that God helps those who help themselves, well, he's not willing to do that. He just wants God to help. The other election news, the is there going to be a special session of our leg, Oregon legislature? And They're running so, out of time. Yeah, it is. It is getting awfully close to when the when the legislature convenes all by itself, and and will, will would they deal if they had a special session? Uh, 
what would they do with tax breaks that uh, rumor is that the governor thinks maybe some tax breaks should not be allowed right now this is a good you topic have any insight on that I, I don't know i don't know that i have insight well i but i guess i have a couple of thoughts this is a real big one right because you've got because the eviction moratorium is about to is about to end and the uh, and that means you know all these we've talked about this already but it's such a big deal for so many human beings that people are going to people are going to get evicted and as you said before, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go to the place where somebody else got evicted? There's going to be a big, just going to be a big apartment swap. It'd be like a reality show, but the reality is going to be horrible for a bunch of people. And 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 the reason to do it, the reason they, de- you know, because you could sort of say, well, we'll just wait. You know, the legislation going to be in session in January. You know, but January twentieth is that day one? No, that's inauguration day. But I think it's it's uh, it's mid late January that the legislature uh, uh, is called into is called into session. Just wait for then. But the problem is that is after the eviction moratorium is over. And so evictions, I mean, there's lots of people. There are lots of people who haven't haven't paid rent in eight months. And there I'm and there are lots of landlords who have said, okay, well, that's a that's a tenant that I'm not going to have in January. That person's not hasn't been saving up their rent. So they're going to pay me now. I'm going to have to get rid of them and add somebody who's going to start paying me rent. And if you meet three weeks later in the legislature and pass a bill even quickly, uh, it's going to be after a bunch of eviction notices, notices are sent out. So I think there's such a strong argument for a uh, for a special session, uh, and because of that, I mean, it's sort of the the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. I I do think they got to do one. Before I was like, ah, no, probably not. It doesn't sound like they have the votes, and I'm sure that's what's going on. I'm sure what's this might this might dad be classified as insight. I'm sure what's going on is not a question of will about whether. You know, the governor wants to do it or not. It's a question of count. It's just a count, right? They're just seeing if they can get Betsy Johnson's vote, see if they get Laura Munners Anderson's vote, see if they can get the votes in the Senate to pass something. They don't want to call it because you don't want to call a special session and have it drag on. You want to call a special session, gavel in, take your votes uh, and get the heck out of there. And in order to do that, you got to have the votes counted. And the the big disagreement, so the corporate folks are saying, hey, we want a tax break for, uh, we want a larger tax break for landlords for money that they didn't get in rent payments. Uh, And then there's also a question of how big a payoff would be. Would there, in fact, be a bill that would give landlords some money? The proposal was 80% of lost rent. I thought that was a pretty good, you know, I don't know what the percentage ought to be, but it seems like it should be somewhere between 1% and 99%, probably between 50 and 90 percent and so hopefully they can get to a deal but i i do think i don't think i don't think it's uh i do think if, if i were going to predict i guess i i guess i've changed my mind even since you started talking pop and since i started talking i think there will be a special session because i don't see how they can let the moratorium even betsy johnson i can't imagine them just letting the moratorium uh lapse and all these people get evicted i think they have to get in the land board voted three to zero to to continue moving the Elliott Forest over to a research forest that would be run by Oregon State. That, that is an encouraging thing. The West Lynn Police Department must be kind of a snake pit. They have finally decided to fire the police chief who was didn't have to go to work for several months even though he was being paid and they're giving him three months more pay so they can get rid of him. But uh, the saga, the saga there may be over. Other state and local news: there are a bunch of prisoners suing because of, of having 
received tear gas when when Portland Police Department put tear gas out in front of the Justice Center. It uh, got up into the jail, and so they are suing. Laurelhurst, Laurelhurst had a big sweep uh, of the Laurelhurst Park to get rid of all the campers, and I wonder where they are going to go. Jared Walker, the TriMet barber, charged again with this time charged with taking pics of pictures of women in restrooms what are we going to do with Jared Walker I'm wondering if Jared Walker just needs to be put in jail for the rest of his life because he's being accused and sentenced for bad conduct like cutting women's hair and taking pictures in restrooms doesn't seem to have any ability to dissuade him from his bad conduct if anybody has any ideas as to what should happen with Jared Walker, I would be interested to hear it. By the way, uh, Indiana has cast their ballots. So have Tennessee, two of the top three states, by the way, in COVID cases per 100,000. Just saying, both cast their votes and their, their electors cast their votes for Donald Trump. It is right now 28 to 7. Donald Trump is ahead by a 4 to 1 margin. Just telling you, those uh, all you Donald Trump fans out there, your guys ahead in the electoral college count right now, twenty-eight to seven. Uh, the that Willamette Cove, we should cover Willamette Cove. This was uh, this was the area that wasn't going to get fully cleaned up, uh, and it was going to cost one point eight million dollars extra. The the plan was to do the kind of minimal cleanup in this area and then wall it off. And a bunch of people, including including native leaders, said, "No, no, let's let's actually clean this up, clean this area a little bit better." And sure enough, good for Sam Chase. Sam Chase uh, pushed for an extra 1.9 million dollars uh, to for the for Metro's plan to get that land at clean up at Willamette Cove to be uh, uh, to be cleaned up more. And I I think that was a no brainer. Not only good for uh, for Native American uh, uh, fishing rights, not only good for the environment generally, but I think also just a good land move. I mean, if you can, if you can clean up, if you can sort of reclaim that many acres for one point nine million dollars, it's, it's cheap at the price. Yeah, it's eight point eight million dollars to have walled off land, ten point seven million dollars to have something that somebody can at least look at and use mildly, or some wildlife can, or some you know that's that's an easy call, man. I would think so. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Seth Woolley and Alan Kessler and some others uh, have filed the intention to ask for a vote to recall the Portland mayor. Uh, they, they there can't be a vote on it until next summer because there's the ordinance requires they have to be it has to be six months after the last election. They, but they've got to get 35, well, nearly 36,000 signatures, valid signatures, to do that. And and did you notice that that there's been a an exodus of uh, staffers from the mayor's staff, none of whom have wanted to be comment. They all appear to have got better jobs, neat jobs, but uh, but that exodus is something that uh, if anybody has some inside information would be worth it. And we might want to also acknowledge the stolen umbrella. Why would somebody steal the umbrella from a statue? 
it is just weird. Yeah, there has been a lot of turnover in the mayor's office, and the but and you know I hesitate to opine, but I might not hesitate that much. Uh, I think there are a couple dynamics. One, uh, Wheeler, I don't you know his, his degree of loyalists, his degree of loyalists and his team, uh, I think is you know not super high, and that means you get a lot more people in the gig who see it as a stepping stone to something else. I have to also imagine there are people in the gig. It's been a terrifically stressful time, right? It's been a terrifically stressful time. And if you can get through and they stuck with it. And, and I, here's another thing. Here's, here's, here's something that'll be, a, that'll be maybe a little piece of praise for the mayor that I could imagine there were people who were waiting until after the election because they didn't want to hurt him, right? They didn't want to. They were like, yeah, I kind of I don't really want to mess with this anymore. This isn't that fun. I want to do something else. And but they waited until but they you know if they'd all left right before the election it might have might have hurt his reelection chances so maybe there was some manifestation of loyalty in their timing that and more in rampant speculation coming up on X Ray nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine is the text in line uh, it says uh, we got a we got a, a message here from Marcy no we should not bail out business only people if we take care of people the assets of business can wait. Thank you, Marcy, for your text. If all the federal aid went to individuals, most rents would have been paid. We owe support to the people, not businesses. It was outside of people or just assets. Owners of capital are wealthy enough to withstand the storm. Marcy, excellent point. And I want to respond to Marcy quickly. I think one of the major mistakes of the bailout after the last recession was there was not nearly enough uh, uh, bottom-up bailout. There was too much of a top-down bailout. Right. And, Absolutely and, right. And, and had there been, had you gone to mortgage holders, and, and if you gone to, and I don't mean the note holder, I mean you actually went to the went to the the homeowner who's getting mortgaged on and bailed them out. It still would have trickled up to the banks. Uh, so I so I totally agree. Here there is here though I I think there is a there is a combo. If you give a because because the question here is uh, how do you keep landlords from evicting folks? Now do you keep them from evicting folks by saying you're not allowed? Right, and or that, or do you keep from evicting somebody by giving them somebody's money to pay their rent? Uh, we got another text from Marcy. Marcy, by the way, is is probably our previous Joe Pesci. Somebody who did not say who they were, but I think they may. Tell, they're not trying to hide it. I just don't think they said this. They're, they're going to try to set up that interview uh, with William Nietzsche with William Kinney. Uh, but that that person, that 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 kind human being, and Marcy are right now tied for most valuable listener this morning. Uh, Marcy also texted the umbrella was removed for repairs. It was not stolen. And she gave a total of six exclamation points to demonstrate that, that, that that's an important clarification. We appreciate it. Oh, wow. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that, Marcy. Uh, and the but it is a uh, but there there is a risk, though. The counter from landlords, the counter from landlords will be. Well, yeah, if you give people a uh, if you give people an eight thousand dollar check. Right. So let's say let's say they've been uh, eight months without without paying rent. Let's say they were fortunate enough to only have to pay a thousand dollars a month in rent. So there are eight thousand in arrears. And you say, okay, we're going to give you eight thousand dollars. Pretty please pay your landlord. One could imagine one doesn't have to be a, you know, a a right wing conspiracy theorist to say that not everybody would just pay their back rent. Somebody say, oh, yeah, evict me. I'm taking this eight grand. I'm going next door. And it's still and you still say, well, okay, big deal. So what you've done is, is just done some redistribution of wealth and some other people have money. Uh, but you still then have this sort of weird thing that, that that a lot of landlords are also people. They're not all businesses. And and that very often they owe big loans to banks. 
right? So they're, they've been putting off, and some of them can withstand it for sure, but some will have a harder time. And then you could trigger a uh, you could trigger a set of defaults, and that kind of set of defaults is the kind of thing that crushed the economy in 2008. So anyway, I'm generally with you uh, fully on 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 bottom up bailouts. I think tend to be better than top down ones, uh, but I think some mixture. In my judgment, some mixture probably makes sense. I uh, appreciate the text. Some good activity. Nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. Dad, I think it is time for a straw in the wind. Unless you Before got we do the straw in the wind, though, there's one other piece of of local news I've got to mention. The, the tragic shooting of Kevin Peterson in Clark County by the sheriff's office. But, but it seems to me that the news that nobody's paid attention to is that Kevin Peterson was hit by four bullets, but there were 34 <laughs> bullets shot. And it seems to me the Clark County law enforcement needs to do something about the accuracy of their shooters. And then I do have straws. In fact, I have two straws. As a straw in the first straw, the New York State Pension Fund has decided to divest itself from fossil fuels and to stop investing in fossil fuels. That's interesting straw. But really encouraging straw, Rashida Jones, black woman, 39 years old, is going to replace Phil Griffin as the boss at MSNBC in February when Griffin retires, black woman running a major cable television outlet, very encouraging straw. Well, uh, we did it one more time. We did it indeed, and we will be back on Thursday. Love you, lad. Love you, Dad.